preach, I'm going to tie it back to the power of your mind because, um, and I keep talking about that because I've, I've preached that so many times and I've taught it. I think I preached it to the youth. Um, you know, the, the basic concept is that anything that you set your mind to mentally and you think about it, the outcome can happen. Anything, anything from extremes of, you know, healing your body to changing your mental outlook on life, changing, you know, overcoming depression, overcoming any obstacle can honestly be cured internally. We have the ability. God gave us a machine, this vessel that we're in, to be able to take care of itself. Um, so most of my stuff ties back to that. So, you know, you're probably still going to hear a little bit of it. Um, but a couple of weeks ago, um, I went on a lenders conference to Biloxi. Um, not to get y'all too much of a boring hierarchy of Farm Credit Bank of Texas, but I work for Louisiana Land Bank. I were chartered under a certain uh, sanction. We cover this area, state of Louisiana. There's other farm credits that all fall under one house called Farm Credit Bank of Texas, which is in Austin. And so every year they spend just a massive amount of money to send all of the lenders and then they have an administrator conference and they send them out and they, you know, put them up and just pour all kind of good speakers into us. So they actually had four motivational speakers and the idea is to get the lenders pumped up to go make them some more money, right? You know, it's pretty simple. You know, we, we'll get the best motivational speakers we can think of to set a fire under these people. Um, and let me tell you, they had some great speakers this time around. Um, one of the guys, actually, I didn't realize this, but one of the guys is in the Hall of Fame for motivational speakers. That's actually a thing. And I, I thought the same thing, so I kind of look, looked it up, and there's, it is actually a very short list of people that are actually alive that still do motivational speaking that are in the Hall of Fame of motivational. It's like less than 50 people in the entire world, and they got this guy. Uh, his name is Walter Bond. He played for the Utah Jazz, played against Jordan, and after he, got, after he had his career with NBA, he went into motivational speaking. Um, and it was just an amazing speech. Uh, I'm not going to talk about what he talked about because I know how good his was, and there's no way I can compare. Um, but he, kinda, he talked about a shark mentality, and it was, it was just amazing. There was another guy there named Sebastian Terry. He was from Australia. And about 10 years ago, you can look this guy up. He's, it, this, this guy's wild. Uh, it's called Seb 100 Things. And so what he did is he wrote down 100 things he wants to do before he dies. And let me tell you, they were some crazy stuff. One of them was get shot, <laughs> marry someone in Vegas, and then get an old the next day that he'd never met, <laughs> skydive naked. I mean, he had some crazy things. Like, of course, he had one save someone's life. Another crazy one was, was I'm, I'm not going to go into all of his hundred things because it was just wild. One of the things was he wanted to deliver a baby. Like, not like, not like his wife because he's not married. He wanted to deliver a child from some random person. Wild. And we had another t two other speakers who were really good. But each one of the speakers, each one of the four speakers talked about how to be successful in business, how to overcome obstacles, whatever the case was. And each one of them had their own list. Here's the seven things to be successful or here's what you got to do. What I found in all four people, there was one common denominator. And that one common denominator was overcoming fear. Fear of failure, fear of not being accepted in your job, fear of whatever the case may be, that was the common denominator in all of them. 
and it kind of got me, got me thinking because, you know, this is in the business world. And if, and if, you've, if you've heard motivational speakers, the good ones, they don't realize they do it, but the tools they use are biblical principles. And it's really cool to watch. Um, and and if, if, you, if you know the word enough, you're like, oh, man, that's, you know, that's, that's Romans 12.1 or, that, yeah, that's, that's, or whatever it is. That, that's, that's the Bible. What, but the truth is the Bible is, is, is absolute. Anybody can use it. Um, but also in the business world, that's still the real world. Being successful in your business is the same as being successful in anything in your walk, whether it's your Christian walk, whether it's your marriage, whatever it is. But the denominator that they had was fear. Actually, uh, go ahead and put that quote by Brian Tracy up there. Um, let's see. Maybe they come out halfway decent. I think it's the blue one. Um, yeah, it says, it is not failure itself that holds you back. It's the fear of failure that paralyzes you. The fear of failure is actually the number one reason for failure. The fear of the thing that you're fearing actually becomes the thing that you... Happens. Think about people that are always scared they're going to get sick or they're always scared that they've got something, like a hypochondriac, right? What happens? Those people are always actually sick because they're so scared of it, it becomes what happens to them. It's in their mind, right? I'm not, I'm not talking about the mind today. Like I said, y'all stop trying to get me there, okay? I start saying the mind, everybody's like, yeah. All right. <laughs> um, you know, I did a, I started looking into fear. You know, I started thinking, all right, well, what about fear? What about fear? How much is it? Well, then there are over 500 medical phobias that are on John Hopkins' website. I'm not going to talk about some of them because they are some weird stuff. Izzy has one of them. It's, I can't pronounce it, but it's the fear of vomiting. Fear of mayonnaise. These are real... There are some real weird stuff out there. There is, a, there is one word that I can't pronounce. It's 15 syllables. It's this long. I almost put it up there, but I couldn't. I don't know y'all would try to ask me to pronounce it. But it is actually the fear of pronouncing long words. And it's a 15-syllable it's a word. Somebody, somebody's mean. Um, you can actually put the one fear that I have up there because I didn't want to have to. I put this up there just so I didn't have to pronounce it so y'all could read it. Yeah, that's it right there. The fear of failure. Fear of not being good enough. That is an actual documented medical phobia. I had that one. Say it again. That's it. Um, you know, I just it, the list just kept going. It was it was crazy how many there were and how comical some of them were, but also how real some of them are to some people. Um, you know, as as a as a as a population, we are obsessed with fear, right? We have a show called Fear Factor. We have a huge movie sector that is horror. That is a huge, huge industry. The whole concept of the movie, you can even watch the commercials and start getting jumpy because the music's like, right? And so I got a couple of y'all just then. But you see, they, people jump and they get scared and they actually like it. It's a strange, strange concept. You know, we have haunted houses that people, you pay people to come in there and chase you with chainsaws. And so now I'm sitting here being very judgmental of this, and I'm, 
I am guilty of all of the above. I love watching Fear Factor. I used to love horror movies, and I've been to haunted houses. I am, I'll tell you a quick story. I don't have a whole lot of time because I've got some good stuff to get to, but you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm 17 years old, moved to tech, and I am just, you know, country came to town. I'm from Castro. We ain't had nothing to do. My poor parents, they just secluded me down in the boondocks of Castor. You think I was bad. I moved there with Stephen Dickerson. Boy, that first year, we did everything you can imagine. We were running. I mean, it was, it was so stupid. Not, and not bad stuff. Like, we're 17, 18 years old. We're just acting stupid. Staying up until 6 a.m., watching horror movies, getting scared, sleeping in the living room, acting like we fell asleep on the couch. We didn't want to go to the bedroom and sleep by ourselves. That's a real story. One night we were watching a movie. It's called What, what Lies Beneath. All right. Yeah. 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 It's not even like a, it's not even like top 10 horror movies of all time. This is a, yeah, it's a thriller. It's more of a thriller, but it's got some weird stuff. In it. It's real jumpy. We're watching it. And uh, it got to one of the really scary points. And, you know, it was like 2.30 in the morning. Me and Steve were like, oh, I'm just going to go to sleep. I don't, we don't have to finish this. <laughs> so we turned it off and went to sleep. That night, Stephen had a night terror. Not a nightmare, a night terror. There's a real difference, all right? I don't know if you know what it is. But Stephen woke up in the middle of the night screaming bloody murder. <laughs> Not, he wasn't literally screaming bloody murder, but he was screaming. Like he was, he was scared to death. Had a night terror. He don't remember it. That night, I remember it. That fear got Stephen so much, it actually affected his dreams and made him get scared. Oh, about a month later, I went and watched the opening of Paranormal Activity. I, I did. I went to watch it. That's the last movie I, scary movie I watched because I got so scared I had my friend Mike stay in the bed with me that night. I said, you got to stay in the bed. Yeah, sleep with me, guy. But, like, you know, no homo, but you got to sleep with me tonight. I'm scared, bro. And uh, luckily, he, he, he did it. He stayed with me. And uh, that's the last true horror movie that I have seen because it scared me so bad. But people like it. Like, people still like it. Like, people say, oh, have you seen whatever it is? Like, oh, it's so scary. I'm like, man, you know, nope, I haven't seen it. Um, some people are even even more psychotic. I married someone who finds it hilarious when people get spooked. Yeah, she's going to start thinking about So she can just think about times that she scared me and my facial expression, and she loses it, and she'll about wet her pants. She's pregnant. I probably shouldn't do this. She's going to pee on that chair over there. I'm serious. And... <laughs> Like, I'll, I'll be in the kitchen, like, 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 cooking or cleaning or whatever it is. Look at her. She's, she's losing it. And she'll, like, like a ninja, she'll be like. And I'm, like, zoned in, you know. I can be, I, I, can, I can lie. I'm, I'm in there praying to God, worshiping. It's not true. I'm trying to get the dishes done. But uh, she'll walk in, and she'll just, like, real quietly just stand next to me. And I'll go, Ugh! And boy, she loses it. She thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's true. We're drawn to it. In our nature, we're drawn to it. It's also a, fear is also a really good motivator. You know, there's a reason I do those dishes. I'm scared what she's going to say if I don't. 
when you're driving to work in the morning, unless you're Greg Lee, if, you know, the, typically most of us are not going to speed, right? Even though the vehicle can go 120 miles an hour, if there's nobody on the road, you get on I-20 and it's wide open, not a car in sight. The vast majority of us are still going to go under 80 miles an hour. Why? Two reasons. One, you're scared and get a speeding ticket. Fear of getting a speeding ticket. Or fear of, you know, you're going to get in a wreck, going too fast, you're on, you know, whatever it is. Fear drives a lot of the decisions we make. Think about when you're a kid. I don't know about what household y'all grew up in, but I grew up in a household that you got to be scared of Paul Gray. Or he will whip you until your nose bleeds. True story. Whipped me until my nose bled and laughed about it. 16 was a rough year for me. <laughs> but no, on a serious note, you know, my teachers, I hated my teachers in school because they always would tell my parents, you know, Joel could be a straight-A student if he just give it all he had and he quit talking in class. In fact, from fourth grade until sixth grade, four, so three years of school, the teachers intentionally put me and Stephen in different classes because I talked so much all the time. They're like, you can't have Stephen and Joel in the same classroom. We weren't in the same class at all in elementary school. Little did they know it didn't matter who it was. I'm going to talk to them because I love to talk. But with, that, with that, what it was, like I had to have good grades or I would either get grounded, maybe time out. I was a little old for time out at that point. But, you know, as kids, you're scared. You don't, you don't go time out. It's fear of being alone. You don't want to get a whipping. It's fear of getting hurt. <laughs> so we talk about all this fear. So, so what, you know, I talk about fear being a bad thing, but then in this scenario, fear can actually be a healthy motivator to be good things. So we've talked about, so I've talked about like what these, what these motivational speakers think about, talk about the world. You know, what's the Bible say about fear? You know, there's over 500 scriptures in the Bible that, that talk about fear. 500. I made a joke with Jeremy. Jeremy asked me, he said, what are you preaching on today? I said, I don't know yet. He goes, well, just open up and pick, pick something that's red. I was like, well, I got a pretty good chance I'm still going to hit something I'm talking about. You know, I always talk about this when I do tithes and offerings because the number one topic in the Bible is money and possessions. And, the, and I always say, do y'all know why that is? And it's because God knew what we would struggle with. So if there's 500 scriptures about fear, it's, it tells you one thing. God knew that fear would be driving us to do one of two things. It will drive us to go towards him or it will drive us to go away from him. It's the only two things fear can do. Well, I guess in the middle lane is it can make you laugh. <clears throat> so the first thing we'll talk about very briefly, because it's not, it's, not, it's, not it's not what this message is about, but the first thing that's very important to talk about is there a healthy fear of the Lord. <clears throat> you know, I talk about this fear that I had of Paul Gray. I joke about it, right? Scared of Paul. You know, what, what's he going to do if I bring home a C? Well, I knew what it was. But I wasn't scared of him as a person. It wasn't like I was terrified to be around him. No, in fact, I was that little boy who wishes I could be just like Paul Gray when I grew up. <laughs> even, even further, you know, children, right? They, they, little kids, 
me and Stephen used to have arguments all the time. Like, my dad can beat your dad up. Oh, yeah, well, my dad trains dogs. Oh, yeah, well, my dad made dogs. Like, what do you even mean, Stephen? Like, Stephen truly believes that Craig Dickerson can do anything in this world. To this day, ask him. See? To this day. But he can't beat up Paul Gray. You heard that, Craig? That fear transitioned into something that I knew that what my, I had enough as a child, I didn't know what it was, but I had enough faith to believe that what my parents were trying to prevent me from doing was ultimately going to benefit me. And so it had a respect and a love for them to know that they're going to have their, their, my best interest in their mind. And that's the same thing when we're talking about the fear of the Lord. It's not necessarily a fear of, oh, well, if I decide not to follow him in this life, like, oh, I'm going to live this terrible life. Or, oh, if I don't do what God asked me to do over here, he's going to strike me down. Or, you know, oh, since I didn't do what God asked me to do, he put Serena in a hospital. Like, that's not the God that I serve. That's not the fear I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fear of if I decide to not listen to God, he's going to stop talking to me. I'm going to get out of his presence. I'm not going to be walking in what I've been called to walk in. I'm not going to be who I'm called to be, which ultimately would mean, why am I on this earth? These are the thoughts I have. Like, yeah, this is such a short, short time frame that we live in. I remember at youth camp, there was this guy on there, and this, there was this massive rope. It was like one of those. It was like, like this thick. And I don't know how they got it in there, but it was on the stage. It went around. I mean, the rope was endless. It was huge. And he took um, some massive, like, uh, like something to cut the rope, like these clipper thingies. I don't know. And he took and went over to the edge, and there was about this much, and he cut it off. And he goes, this is how much time is relative to your existence. And it only represents the time that you're on this earth. He says, the rest of this determines what you do in that little bit. So if you're a non-Christian, right, if you're like, there is a real fear. If you decide not to follow Jesus, you're going to go to hell. That is a real fear. That is real. And I'm not here to talk about hell and have a hell message, hell, fire, and brimstone, going to hell. But it's important to talk about because how many in here can be honest? You know, if there was not an afterworld, like afterlife, and there was no consequences, would you still be doing what you're doing? I mean, I like to think that we're generally good people, but good doesn't necessarily transition into listening to God. The other type of fear in the, in the Bible is the fear of everything else, right? True fear, fear of failure, fear of whatever. Um, you know, we as Christians, we allow fear to cripple us. We prevent it from doing what we're called to do. It's, it's, it's something that, that is, it's, it's, un, it's inevitable where, you know, we get this fear of whatever it is. We build up these unrealistic expectations, scenarios, and we allow this fear to consume our thoughts and ultimately control our actions. Think about that. We think about something. We're scared of the outcome and we play all these weird scenarios over in our head and ultimately it changes our actions in this life. We'll give you two examples, personal examples. Both of them are very true, very true stories. Um, One's very comical, one's very serious. (laughs) But they both are 
in the core of the exact same thing. So I'll, do, I'll tell you the funny one first. I hate snakes. I hate them. Can't stand snakes. I don't have a phobia of snakes, but like if there's a snake over there, like I'll, I will be the first person to grab something to kill that snake. I can't stand them. I'm not going to like take off running, but I just don't like them. Like they, they creep me out. But like if we go into like a garage and somebody says, oh, there's a snake over there. Like I'm pretty sure that's a chicken snake that's not going to bite me. Or if it does, it's not going to scare me. But I'm not going to stay in the garage anymore. I'm getting out the garage. There's probably more, more than one in there. I don't know what it is. The older I get, the more weirded out about them I get. Like I'm getting weirdness thinking about them. <sighs> I watched a video one time. <sighs> of a snake crawling up a toilet. Yeah, there's multiple videos out there of snakes crawling through toilet seats. Yeah, see, that's a fear, right? And so, like, I, all right, and that, I, I'm going to rewind. I'm going to take you back a little bit further. About two and a half years ago, mom and dad had a snake in their bathroom, their bottom bathroom on Drake Drive. Now, it wasn't in the toilet, but it was next to the toilet. So I have this weird thing. Every time I go to the toilet, I look. I'm not kidding, every single time, because I'm scared there's going to be a snake in there. Yeah, see? All right. Now, how unrealistic is that? We're going we're to break this down. First off, snakes, even if it was in the toilet, would it really bite you? The chances are really small, all right? First off, we're going to say the chance of their snake being on the toilet is probably like less than half of 1% of every time you go. And then, on top of that, the fear of that snake actually biting you, all right? Super small. And then go even further than that, the chance of that snake actually being poisonous is borderline nothing. It's probably some little water snake. It's probably some snake that doesn't want to mess with you. I know, I know, I know. Believe me, now I'm going to have everybody look into it. And I said it was funny. But that's a true, that's real something I really think about. All right, now we're going to go to the serious one, all right? About, <clears throat> there was a time where God asked me to do something. It was very, very serious, very direct. He asked me to do something. And I said, no. I said, I don't want to do it. I said, I don't want to do that, God. I struggled with it for 12 months. And I would not do it. And I kept hearing... Every time I would try to get in the presence of God, every time I got in the presence of God, he'd say the same thing. And I'm like, God, quit saying that. Like, I don't know what you want to say. I ain't going to do it. Because this is what's going to happen. This is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, this is going to happen. I don't want to be there, God, so I don't want to do it. I had built up this whole weird scenario. Like, it, it was so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. And I, yet, I decided that I wasn't going to do it. Now, ultimately, I ended up doing what God asked me to do. I ended up doing exactly what he asked me to do. And every fear that I had about the outcome was the exact opposite. In fact, when I did what God asked me to do, I was able to step into what God's calling me to do. And every single scenario, the outcome that I thought was going to happen, the reverse happened. God's spirit was released in what I was called to do. And every little bitty unrealistic scenario that I had, it's laughable when I think about it now. 
I'm in this moment of, of, of about to go and do what God's asked me to do and, and to have some tough conversations, and I'm just scared. I'm, I'm terrified. Big old tears in my eyes. Serena was there. She was like, it's going to be okay. I don't know what you're freaking out about. That's so stupid. Like, literally, that's what she said. That's so stupid. I'm like, yeah, but this, this, this. And like, I, I, just, I didn't know what to do. And so I was like, the right, only thing I know what to do is open my Bible. And I did something that I really don't normally do. I played Bible roulette. I was like, God, you've got to talk to me because I don't know what to do. And I flipped it open, and I opened my Bible, and I started reading. And you can, go to, you can pull up my Bible verse. This is in Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest on your souls, for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As soon as I said it, as soon as I prayed it out, I was praying basically the, the, the scripture, it just was released. I felt a release that God's saying, I'm asking you to do this. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And it gave me exactly what I needed. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. So I've told you all this before when I get up and talk a lot, is that I, I, I fixate on verses. And I just study them and I study them. And that's the only thing I'll read for months at a time. And I'll completely have full revelation on that verse. When I first got this, I didn't know what yoke was. I thought it was egg yolk. I thought God was saying from my yoke, right, when you break the yoke over you, that it's, it's easy. But it still worked because it was from God. Let me tell you all what yoke is. Yoke is like that harness that they put over like a horse or like a cow or something where they pull a carriage. Because it's meant to pull what's behind. So he was saying my yoke is easy. And what's inside what you're pulling, that burden, it's actually light. And so then I actually, I found my notes from a long time, and I did a study on those three scriptures, and I wrote down exactly, word for word, what I thought it meant. So I'm going to read it to you, because it, it's, it's, it makes me feel super Christian when I read what I wrote here. <clears throat> we as full gospel believers are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, who works in our lives to mold us into the image of Christ, thereby making the yoke easy and burden light. The life lived by faith is much easier and lighter than that of a heavy and burdensome yoke of a self-righteousness person under which some continual strife to make themselves acceptable through good works in God. So the yoke is easy because of the Holy Spirit. One of the most... One of the most misspoken things I've ever heard from a, from, from a pulpit, you'll, you'll hear it a bunch after I say this, is that God's never going to give you something you can't handle. That is absolutely not true. God will put stuff on you that you cannot handle simply because he wants the yoke to be easy and the burden light. As long as you move in the Holy Spirit, you can do it in him. See, the problem is that this fear is out there, and the Christians today, they miss half of it. They see this, this see, this, this scripture 
was, was right after the Pharisees were talking about how difficult it is to live on a Sabbath day because his guys were walking by and they were picking grains and everything. Those guys are working on the Sabbath. They're going to hell. Like, it was crazy. And God was saying, no, you don't understand. My spirit is here. And that yoke that you think is so difficult, this lifestyle of bureaucracy, this do's and don'ts and sacrifice this, go to this for this. No, 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 no. It's not that hard. It's easy. My burden is light. We still sometimes miss that today. And we let this fear grip us. We let this fear take us. Well, God wants to take that. The enemy knows how powerful fear is. He uses it as a weapon. If you think about the Garden of Eden, the first thing, the very first thing that that the enemy did to Adam and Eve to form and push a wedge between them and the presence of God as we put fear in their hearts. Sin entered the world. First thing they did, they were naked, and then God was coming, like, oh, we got to hide because what's what's God going to do to us? God's going to kill us because he did the one thing he weren't supposed to do. I'm so scared of God. I'm so scared of the presence of God. I'm scared of the presence of God. Now, how silly is that to think that at this time, God was literally their father. He was with them, walked with them, talked with them, gave them life, gave them the world. And they really, they really thought that because they did the one thing that he asked them not to do, that they were going to just what, like, kill them? I don't know. Yeah, they were scared. They were petrified. But that, that, that fear that gripped them was placed in them by the enemy. If that was the first trick, do you think he's still using those same tricks today? Have you ever not done something God's asked you to do? Yeah, you can go raise your hands. Has God ever asked you to do something that you were scared to do? All right, now put your hands down. Has anybody in here ever regretted what they did after they did it? You've never regretted what God's asked you to do? Yeah, I know it's confusing. Has anybody regretted doing what God's asked them to do? All right. And after it's over, it's like, oh, that's such a silly fear that I have. We'll talk about some silly ones, right? Um, Let's see. Something simple. Pray for somebody. Right? Everybody's wondering what fear I'm talking about. Here's, we're, 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 we're going to do a test. This is, this is for educational purposes. I want everybody to pick a partner in here right now. Look at, look, find someone to look at them. All right, now, right now, out loud, I want you to start praying for their family. All right, now stop. Did anybody feel a little pit in their stomach like, ooh, man, I don't really want to do that out loud. That kind of feels weird. I'm about to just start praying for, you know, somebody, I may not even know them that well, but I'm about to start praying out loud for someone's family. And that pit that you get, ugh, that's fear that the enemy places inside of the believers. Can an outcome ever be bad if you're praying for a stranger's family? Can it ever be bad? But yet we have this fear of doing it. Or how about walking down to the altar? So simple. I've been there. Say at a big church, you're not there, you're not, you're, you know, whatever it is, that, I don't know, it doesn't matter. I'm sitting over here, and I'm like, man, I want to go down to the front and walk, raise my hands. Oof, I don't know if I should do that. <laughs> Talk about me, like I'm always down here. I still get these weird pits in my feeling. Like, that's, ooh, I don't want to do that. Pits in my, 
My feelings in my pits. I got feelings in my pits, guys. I'm going to use Marvelie's example. Marvelie gave her testimony last Wednesday. She was scared. Scared to death. Scared that, I don't know, she was just scared. Right? But yet, she overcame that. Has anybody else ever been scared to give their testimony? Have you ever given it and then felt bad about it afterwards? That's the enemy. He takes this fear and he builds up these unrealistic expectations. Oh, I'm going to go down to the front. Everybody's going to look at me and say, what, mm, what's, what's Melissa doing down at the altar? Oh, I wonder what she's dealing with this week. <laughs> Ain't nobody thinking that. And if they do, who cares? Because God's the only one that cares. Like, who cares about it? <laughs> the fear that, that so this fear that the enemy plays mind tricks on you, it's all to prevent you from getting in the presence of God. That's all it is. Because if he can just separate just for a moment and get you a little bit off track, he's done his job. So how do we, how do we overcome this fear, right? That's a, that's a big question. How do, we, how, do, how do we get over this hump? First off, I want, I want to use a quote, another one of the quotes. This is from another um, very famous uh, author and motivational speaker. You can do the Tony Robbins quote up there. Um, so this is from Tony Robbins. I'm trying to put their quotes up there since I'm stealing it from them, but the one common denominator of all successful people is their hunger to push through their fears. Whatever that fear may be, right? You know, I'm going to write down my goal at the bank. I want to be the top three lender in the state my first year in. Like, yeah, if I write something like that down or if I make that goal out loud, like there's a fear everybody's like, man, you ain't going to make that. Like, who's this kid? Who's this young guy? Well, in fact, I wrote that down and I did it last year. But if I wouldn't have wrote it down, I don't think I would have done it. I, tr I truly don't. And I'm talking about my business, the business side of it. <clears throat> we have to push through the fears. The, uh, the guy that had the shark mindset uh, talk, he said that in order to be successful in your day-to-day -day life, you have to change the way that you think. Boy, you know I loved that. He says, you got to have a shark mindset. That's what he talked about. He wrote a, he wrote a book called The Swim. That's, I almost bought it, but I didn't. Somebody else bought him off, so no, he didn't read, so I'll take it from him. True story. Um, I was in line, and someone said, hey, you got your bonnet? All right, good. I'm going to get it from you because I know you're not going to finish it. Hey, I'll give it to you next weekend. I've already got it. Um, but the mindset of a shark, right? So sharks are... They're made of pure cartilage, so they're constantly able to move and, and be malleable to whatever. There's not a bone in their body. Sharks have to continuously move forward or they die. I didn't know that. Sharks cannot sit still. If they sit still, they will die. So if you see a shark, they're constantly moving forward. Sharks do not fear anything in the ocean. They understand at birth that everything in this ocean is yours to eat. It's all yours. And so their mindset is that I'm going to eat everything and I'm not scared of nothing. And he said, when you get that mindset in life, nothing can stop you. You are an immovable force moving through the business world, moving through the church. When you understand that you're the shark. And now you pull that out of the business line. You put on there, hey, on your backs, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Right? Right? 
the other people were the this 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 one was great. So that crazy guy I was talking about that wanted to skydive naked and do all the crazy stuff, he talked about this. He said he said what I found when I did these 100 things list because um, he's he's pretty famous now. He's done some pretty he, he films all of his stuff, puts it on YouTube, and he has a pretty big drawing. Um, he's still got about 20 something things left on his list. He said but what I found was that when you have this list of things that you're trying to do and you're so passionate about getting shot, whatever it is, and you get this, it doesn't, he said, he said, I really thought people would think I was crazy. He said, some people do. Some people still think I'm crazy. And he made the statement, he says, I bet some of you out there right now are thinking, man, this guy's nuts. He says, but what I found was the community that supported me trying to help me achieve my goals. He had someone reach out to him from Canada, a little small town in Canada. He's from Australia. She goes, hey, I'm in my third month, third trimester. I'm due October 9th. She goes, you you don't know me, but I want to help you succeed on your goal of delivering a baby. True story. So he goes, I'm going. I'm, I'm getting on a plane and going. So he gets there. And before he gets there, she went into labor early. And somehow the local news got a hold of this story. <laughs> and they thought it was wild, as, as y'all are right now. So he goes on this news reporting station, and this interviewer just wrecks him for five minutes on air, basically making him feel like an idiot. He goes, I can't believe, like, just, just basically was like bullying this guy on TV. And he goes, what are you going to do now that you flew all the way out here and the baby was born early? Like, it was stupid. He goes, well, he goes, I'll tell you what I'll do. And if you're listening right now, if anybody's within their third, tr- third trimester and wants me to deliver their baby, here's my number. And he went back to the hotel. The next morning, somebody called him and said, hey, me and my husband want to help you succeed your goal and let you deliver our child. So he drove out there, met these people, and had dinner with them and their family. And he said, <laughs> I can't tell the story like he did, it was great. He said he, was, he finally got alone with the husband. And the husband got him off the side and he was real serious. He goes, so uh, where are you going to be when all this happens? And he got real quiet. He pulled a Greg. I'll tell you, a Greg is when you say something and you just wait for the other person to talk. You, you, whoever talks first loses. Greg does that. If he's doing that, you better stop, start talking. Or just, no, just not talk. Make him feel real uncomfortable. But that's what this husband did. He goes, where are you going to be at? And he goes, uh, well, you know, the, the baby comes out in this area. I want to be right there. He goes, and he said, he said, listen, I want to be able to see life when it comes in the world. I want to be the first thing that the, that person sees when he enters the world. He goes, all right, let's do this. And so he delivered that baby for them the next day in the hospital. Crazy stories. I mean, and he has literally wild stories like that. But what he said was that whenever I overcame my fear of, of, of putting myself out there, yeah, there are people that thought I was wild and crazy and just stupid. 
But the biggest response I got was acceptance from a community of people that said, yeah, I want to help you succeed on your goal. The other two people that, that were motivational speakers, they all talked about writing down your goals. Because if you don't write your goals down, they won't happen. And they said the number one people write, don't write. Both speakers said the exact same words. They said, they said the number one reason that goals aren't met is because they're scared to fail and document their failures. They're scared that they're going to look at that paper and say, well, I haven't done what I'm supposed to do, so I'm just a failure in life. Or I'm just a failure in business. So what does the word say about it? How does the word say get over, get over fear? There was, a, there was a popular Twitter and Facebook post about a year and a half ago. I did not put it up there intentionally because I didn't fact check it. But it said that the words fear not are in the Bible exactly 365 days a year to remind us daily we're not supposed to fear. So I researched trying to figure out how many times it specifically said fear not. And it's actually more than 365 times. The reason it's so fear not is because it's such a simple thing. So many times in life the most complicated things that we have to deal with are overcome with such a simple, simple answer. Fear not. Joshua 1.9 says, Be strong and courageous because I'm with you wherever you go. It's a very simple word. Every one of the fear nots at the end of it, it always says there's no reason for you to fear because I'm here. I have the power that I have given you I have given you a, a spirit, not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of sound mind. I mean, they just go on and on and on because it's such a simple thing about fear not. Can I be honest with y'all? And I don't want any of the pastors to get upset. I am tired I am really tired of every time God talks to our pastors to speak to us, they keep getting to do something. Do you know why they keep hearing the same word from God about do something? Last week, Pastor Paul had an amazing message, one of motivation to get out there and do something. Do you know why God keeps giving us the same message? It's because we haven't got it. God speaks through the pastors for y'all. And if you keep hearing do something, do something, it's because we're not doing it. I'm tired of it, guys. I feel, I feel like we're in this rut as a church, and I'm one of them, guys. I'm tired of, of feeling like we're getting the same thing over and over, and it's just a simple fact. We're not getting it. Last night I was preparing for this message, and in between, I, I, I get real bored. I, I get bored doing stuff, and so I got to, like, watch phone or play a chess game or something. And so I stopped halfway through, and I watched this video on Facebook. And it was a video of, you know, y'all are going to laugh at me. It's a video of this snake. Right? I tell y'all I'm scared of snakes, but if I see a video of a snake, I'm going to watch it. 
It's weird. And it goes back to us being obsessed with fear. So this snake was like a 30-foot anaconda. It was massive. Let's, so like, it was like, it was huge. Think about the biggest snake in the world. It was this snake. And it was, it was in the jungle. And there was a, a trail that was like, not a road that cars go through, but like road that's traveled. And you can tell like that, that they, they scrolled over and there's like this water over here, like maybe like a river or something. And you scrolled over there and that was their village. Like a really like deep jungle village. And this snake was stretched out across the whole thing. Sunbathing. And the entire village had to try to get this snake off the road. And they all worked together to drag this snake out of their village from getting in there and eating all the stuff. Now, I'm not naive. It may have been a video that was put on Facebook to get a bunch of views. Nonetheless, I felt like that video was symbolic of our church. The enemy has laid out sunbathing, and he don't even care. Everybody can see him. We've heard the same thing for three years. We're infected with fear of doing what God's asked us to do. And he don't even care. If one person, if the, the head of that village went over there to try to get that snake out by himself, that snake would have wrapped him up and killed him. If two people, two, probably would have killed him. But because the entire village came together and said, no, we're getting this snake out of our village, the snake was gone. So last Wednesday, I'm going to give you all an honest example of how simple and how realistic this fear that I'm talking about is. Because it's not like, oh, I'm just sitting there shaking my pants. It's a little gut feeling that you get. Like, oh, don't want to do that. Nope, not doing that. <laughs> last Wednesday, Justin was giving his testimony. And he made a statement while he was preaching. He was preaching. Justin, he, he really went all in. And he said, when he first started coming to CCAM, he said, he said, they had an altar call every Sunday pretty much for salvation. He said, we really don't do that much anymore. And immediately I thought in the back of my head, I was like, well, maybe I'm supposed to give one Sunday. And I was like, oh, not doing that. I ain't doing that. That makes me feel weird. I've never given one before. And then Justin walks in right after I talk about him. But that's something that I've never done, and I felt like the, 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 the enemy was trying to say, no, you're not supposed to do that. You don't do that. That's weird. Have people bow their eyes, close their, you know, close their eyes, bow, cl close their head and bow their eyes. You know, that's weird. Why would you do that? How silly is it for me to tell God I shouldn't do an altar call about self for salvation? How silly is it to say that to have a message that talks about the only way that separates us from the normal people is the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. How silly is it not to have an altar call to say, if you need the Holy Spirit to come down? It's very silly. But that's how it works. Because I almost didn't do it. Because I didn't feel comfortable. God's always going to put you in a place of uncomfortable of where you are so that you have to rely on him. Right. I'm ready for a new chapter. I'm ready for a community of people to say, hey, I had this fear and I overcame it. 
and not be afraid to talk about it. If I were to ask someone to stand up and say, what has God done for you in the past year? Would you be able to answer it with confidence? So today we're going to have an altar call. It's going to be for salvation and it's going to be to receive this Holy Spirit that I'm talking about. So everybody bow your head and close your eyes.